0: Welcome to this Nutri Ingredients podcast. I'm Nikki Hancocks, editor of Nutri Ingredients Europe, and it's my pleasure to be hosting this episode on the subject of regulatory compliance. In this episode, I'm speaking with Lee Gray, business development director for the startup firm Rubicon Bridge, which is working to help companies in the food and supplement space to sell their products overseas. The firm was founded by regulation experts frustrated with the long winded process that brands were facing. They've developed an AI tool to allow their clients to make products compliant with the regulations of countries across the globe, thereby automating a task that could have taken months or even years, down to a matter of minutes. In this conversation, Lee explains the challenges involved in overseas compliance, how the tool works, and we discuss the ins and outs of getting onto Amazon, which he says is a huge and largely untapped opportunity for the nutraceutical sector. I hope you enjoy this conversation. So thank you so much for joining us today, Lee. It's really great to speak to you.
1: Thank you for having me, really looking forward to it.
0: So first of all, I guess it makes sense if you can tell us about why Rubicon Bridge was created and how the service works to cut time and energy involved in the regulatory compliance side of things.
1: Sure, so Rubicon Bridge was born out of necessity Rubicon Technical, which is our sister company, a regulatory affairs company based in the northeast of England, they've been helping some of the bigger healthcare brands with regulatory compliance for about 15, 20 years now. And kind of what we've seen over that timeframe is e-commerce has really picked up, in particular, obviously, Amazon, but other sites as well. What we've seen more and more from brands is um, the desire to launch the same physical product uh, in multiple marketplaces. And that can be really quite complicated, not just because you're dealing with, you know, up to six, seven different languages, but also because although even when the UK was part of the EU, there's this idea or concept of harmonisation. And, and there are, there is some legislation that's harmonised. There are some some requirements that are absolutely necessary in each country in some common commonality. Um, there's also national levels, um, national levels on things like um, upper levels on vitamins and minerals and, and also things like mandatory warning statements that are unique to individual countries. So the technology was developed to, to help the brand get to the point of confidence that their products are compliant quicker um, rather than going through any kind of manual process and rather than having to check each ingredient against every regulation from every country mm-hmm. that's kind of where where the idea or the concept came from to to help kind of expedite that process and make things kind of as straightforward as possible and at the same time empower brands to have that information at their fingertips rather than relying on going through a third party and having to wait and going back and forth on emails and things like that. In our model, it's a lot simpler. The brand just has to upload their product formulations and then the tool will automatically check them for compliance in currently up to six European marketplaces.
0: It sounds super exciting for people in this space. Um, just quickly for though, I mean, you've given a bit of an idea there, but for those who haven't been through this process themselves no, already, you. and to give an idea of why it can be so time consuming, can you give us uh, like a sort of typical example of the stages involved and the amount of time and staff that would need to be involved in that process of getting a, a product sold in other countries?
1: Sure. So if I just kind of give an overview of the typical manual um, service, which would be provided by a third party regulatory affairs company, which is the way up until now that most brands have worked. They've either they've they've always done manually, but they've either worked for a third party or they've done it in-house and had in-house experts as well. Obviously, like the exact process that each brand will follow will be slightly different. But if I give you an example of uh, how a UK brand was doing this um, back in, say, 2018 and where the kind of pitfalls were, that that might kind of help just with the overall understanding of the process and and why it can be so time consuming. So uh, back then, you'd be looking at um, sending your product formulation to a third party, and normally what you do is you check it in your local language first so the first step would be checking that your product is compliant locally and then and this is where kind of one of the, the biggest mistakes i think came was you would assume then that because the uk was in the european union at the time you could just have that uk compliant copy and send it to translators or maybe even use google translate um, to get the copy that you need for the other marketplaces but <laughs> there's quite a few issues with that primarily because you're i mean google translate is notoriously inaccurate um, so you're you're likely to have mistranslations, but you're also not taking into account any local uh, regulations on things like dosages in the countries that you're translating the copy into so you've only really done one compliance check for one country you haven't actually checked it for the other five or six um, and the other issue is that as well as kind of translation errors because you have these specific country level requirements on things like mandatory warning statements So say if you were to take a a UK copy in British, translate it into French, if there were additional requirements for the French market, you you would miss them completely. So what, what that meant was that you were looking at a process of probably four to six weeks just to make sure that your product's compliant locally and then generate compliant copy for your local market. And then you're sending it to local speakers to have them translate it and then that just that process could take up to 50 weeks and and we saw that the reason that kind of oh bugger moment is when it comes to doing pre-market notifications in some of these other countries because that's when you're going to get picked up If you've got an ingredient that's compliant at the level you've got it in the product in the UK, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's compliant in France. You could get picked up on that. If you missed a mandatory warning, you would get picked up on that. So that 50 weeks quite quickly can turn into a year and a half, two years. And that's just because you're having to go back and forth with these authorities and essentially retrospectively fix all of your copy
0: really painful, frustrating process by the sounds of things. And can you give us an idea of the sort of client journey then of exactly um how Rubicon Bridge works to try and reduce that process?
1: Yeah, sure. So um I was talking before about the kind of standard manual process. What what you won't be seeing, what kind of happens behind the scenes is you're sending your product formulation to a regulatory compliance expert. the best expert in the world is still going to have to look up regulations and legislations and check your product against those. That manual process is done automatically in Bridge. So we have every ingredient that is in our system has been um, checked for compliance and checked against all of the uh, regulations that apply to that ingredient. So The user experience is seamless. You you just upload your product formulation and the tool is doing that job of automatically checking it against all of the regulations in each of the countries that you want to sell that product. Now the results that the brand will see at that point, so they've uploaded their product information, Rubicon Bridge has, um, has completed a compliance check For each ingredient, it will give it a a red, an amber or green. And green is the product is fully compliant. There's absolutely no issues. Red is that it's non-compliant and there's some kind of legal issue with the product. It could be the dosage or the form or whatever it is, but it makes it really transparent to uh, the brand. So they know exactly what the issue is. Um, Ambers are basically where... The product is is not technically not compliant because it's not infringing on any legal requirements, but it might be non-compliant with some guidance that hasn't been written into legislation. So in those instances, we just make the brand aware that that guidance is out there. Um, We then have a guided workflow that helps the brand generate the mandatory copy that they need for each of those countries. And what that looks like is um, essentially the other elements of the pack copy that's going to appear on the packaging and on the product detail page as well. So it's things like health claims, which is such a better way of doing it. I can't believe nobody's ever done it like this before. But rather than the brand sending um, a regulatory affairs company the claims they want to make, and then the regulatory affairs company Feeding back on the claims, and in most instances, telling them why they can't make it. The tool will tell you which claims are pre authorized for your product based on the ingredients that, and dosages that you've input into it. So instead of that back and forth, you're just shown all of the claims that you can make, and it's just a case of ticking the ones you want to include. Then, because packaging recycling information is becoming mandatory across Europe, we also collect the uh, packaging information and recycling information so that we can generate those, uh, the iconography that's required in each of those countries. Okay. We also need to collect things like storage information and durability information as well. But uh, I'm th- the way I'm describing this is taking longer than it actually takes. <laughs> it, it's really a slick, smooth process. You're looking at probably less than 10 minutes minutes full end-to-end checking the product for compliance and then generating the mandatory copy. So once you've entered that information, Bridge will just show you a summary of the information that you've entered and then you have the option for downloading the international pack copy. And the reason we give options is because in what I think is an ideal world from a consumer perspective, I think it makes sense to have um, a label that is split um, and kind of chunk together to have all of the information from one language in one place. So you might have English and then German and French all um, kind of separated. So the consumer has all of that information in one place, but it's not the most space efficient. So we also offer um, a condensed version of that where it isn't separated by country. It flows on one country into the next and both are fully compliant and It's just that the second one usually saves a bit more space on the label. Um, And it it really is that simple. So the brand is just uploading their product information. The tool will automatically check it for compliance and give it the fee, give the brand the feedback that they need. Um, And then it also automatically generates that compliant copy that they need for the packaging information as well. And this is minutes end to end.
0: And you also help clients with becoming Amazon compliant. Um, and this seems to be a whole nother ball game. Um, So can you tell us about why Amazon is such a challenge to get onto in the first place? And what are the ongoing challenges involved in hosting a product on that site?
1: Yeah, so what you've just described is definitely the perception in the market. And it's definitely the perception of the brands that we speak to that Amazon have these really high requirements and they're really difficult to work with in reality in almost all instances they're just asking for what is legally required in their in the local marketplace the difference is that it's never been particularly pleased well before Um, and what amazon decided to do was to classify food supplements as a restricted product category And the reason they did that makes total sense, because if you look at the number of uh, regulatory contacts about products, so challenges on products, um, and this isn't specific to Amazon, this is market wide, they're incredibly high on food supplements. For whatever reason, they are um, reported on and they have challenged with more than any other food, um, food category. So... Amazon took this decision to make them a restricted product category, and that definition means that they're asking for the brand or the seller to provide upfront evidence of regulatory compliance, and in most instances, especially in Europe, if there's a pre-market notification procedure in place, they're simply asking for the evidence that you've done that pre-market notification, um, and also for a compliant label, usually provided as a a PDF. So I think a lot of times um, confusion is caused because there are brands who are maybe not already aware of the legal requirements. And then the other reason why sometimes there can be some confusion about exactly what it is that Amazon are asking for is because not every European country has this pre-market notification procedure. So in the countries like uh, the UK and the Netherlands, they can't ask the brand or the seller to provide evidence of pre-market notification because there is no pre-market notification requirement in those countries. So instead, what they're asking for is... Uh, either a HACCP, which is Hazard Analysis of Critical Control Points, um, or GFSI certification that's related to the manufacturing facility. And in the past, sometimes that's caused issues for for brands and sellers because maybe their manufacturer actually hadn't been audited to that level before. Um, And so there's been this kind of period of time where the industry's had to adjust to that, but if you think about the, the job that Amazon have got to do, is incredibly difficult. They're the biggest target when it comes to regulators. They're on the highest scrutiny. They're actually not a massive team of people. They, they obviously have fantastic technology to help them, but it's still a relatively small team of people. And there could be millions of food supplement products sold across Europe. So them trying to control that is really difficult which is why they ask for this upfront evidence before you come to market. And I think maybe if there was a criticism of Amazon, um, I think some some of the feedback we've had from brands is that they're not always um, sure what exactly it is that they're being asked for. Um, and, and there's also, we've seen brands just kind of scoring on goals and kind of making... Uh, I'd say sort of silly mistakes. So things like if you've been asked to uh, upload a GFSI certification, Amazon are gonna check that it's in date for one thing, which you should have checked as well, but also that the scope of that audit includes the product that you're selling. So if you're selling um, a vitamin or mineral product, that's a capsule, the scope of that audit needs to have included that process for that specific type of product. And that's where we see some some kind of friction from the sellers or brands, just not necessarily understanding that. But once you're aware of the requirements, it's just a case of playing by the rules, which everyone should be playing by anyway. Um, So actually, I think it kind of democratizes the industry in some way, because I think it's fair to say that, Amazon are probably checking more pre-market notifications than any regulatory authority.
0: And so, um, I don't know if you're able to give us an idea of um, just how huge an opportunity Amazon can be for brands, um, are you able to give an idea of the sort of sales that supplement brands can get via that platform?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it won't be a surprise to anyone that it's huge. Um, so the vitamin and minerals categories were supposed to be around three billion in Europe. Um, and the the really cool thing about Amazon is that it's pretty well established in some of these European countries. So, for example, Amazon in the UK is actually three times the size of Amazon Canada which doesn't make any sense when you think about the size of those two countries. But it's just that Amazon have been here a while um, and the consumers have got used to that Amazon model and, and it's just grown. Um, and Amazon in Germany is actually bigger than Amazon in the UK. So if, if you're a UK brand and you're currently only selling in the UK, even if you just went to Germany, that is a huge opportunity for you. And vice versa, if you're a German brand and you're only selling in Germany, you can almost double your sales by launching in the UK. Mm. So the opportunity is absolutely there. The other thing that's really excited about um, Amazon in Europe is that they're actually only about 10% of e-commerce sales, which is it, it's a big number, obviously, and their revenue is huge. But they haven't got to that saturation point like they have in America, where they're like forty percent of e-commerce sales. So the growth on Amazon, the opportunity for that is absolutely huge, and we expect to see that just continue at least to be in line with uh, the US market. And the thing about the Amazon model, there's lots of different ways that you can, you know, get started selling, no matter the size of your brand. Um, You can register. As an Amazon seller, and I, I don't know, it's like 50 quid a month or something like maybe less than that. Um, but the money you can expect to make on average is around $300,000 per year, and that's for like a, a small seller. Mm-hmm. And 20% of those small sellers will turn a profit in the first three months, and 64% of them will make a profit in the first year. So it, it really is an op- a massive opportunity if you're brand isn't currently selling on amazon but I, I don't know why it, it isn't you like you really should be and you look at so when you search for a product on amazon which like most people you speak to will use amazon day to day um when you search for a product especially in the vitamins and mineral category mm-hmm. it's not the products that come to the top that you see first it's an incredibly complicated algorithm how they get there but Broadly speaking, they are top selling products. They're not necessarily the brands that we're used to seeing as consumers, especially if you're so myself, I've been into health and wellness my whole career, the whole of my adult life. Um, So I I love walking into a Holland Barrett and I geek out about looking at all the different brands and products and stuff like that. When you search on Amazon for, say, vitamin C, chances are you're not going to recognize those first few brands that come up. And that just shows me that there's a massive opportunity to these brands that are doing really well domestically and in brick and mortar um, to get online and to get with Amazon and to uh, accelerate their growth across Europe as well. Because Amazon have this, it's called a European fulfillment network, but they try to make it as easy as possible for your brand to grow internationally. And part of that is their partnership with Rubicon Bridge which is where we will help you. We'll help get you set up on our tool. You'll be able to input your product formulations, uh, automatically check them for compliance in the six major Amazon European marketplaces, which are the UK, Germany, France, Italy, and Spain, uh, and the Netherlands. And then once assuming that your product is compliant, it also will automatically generate the mandatory copy that you need for each of those marketplaces. As well as that, our sister company, Rubicon Technical, offer a wraparound service so we can support providing the evidence that you need to give to Amazon to get to market. So we make it really as straightforward and simple as possible. So the hurdles that used to be there and the time frames that used to be there and indeed the investment that used to be required, it, it's just a complete game changer in that regard.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I was just Those are exactly the words I was just thinking. sounds really game-changing in that aspect of business. And to give an idea, are you working across the globe now?
1: Yeah, so I mentioned before about the size of the UK market for Amazon and the German market as well. And if you can imagine you're an American brand, Amazon is pretty well saturated. It's 40% of the market. So let's assume you're already doing really well on Amazon.com. Um, The the next logical step for those brands is typically to move into Amazon Canada, um, but it isn't necessarily the biggest opportunity for them. So the brands that we've been speaking to, they've wanted to come to the EU and to the UK for years, and they've just seen the regulatory compliance piece as one big hurdle that they just can't get over. Um, So we're working with American brands to help kind of, give them the information and the power at their fingertips so that they can actually bring their products to Europe for the first time, which is like, as, as someone who loves these products, it's really exciting because the American market is years and years ahead of the UK and European markets in a lot of areas, not all, but it's really cool because we're helping bring these brands over to the UK and over to Europe for the first time.
0: Brilliant. It was really interesting to get your insights today thank you so much and uh, i'll be really interested to see how you guys change the game moving forward so thanks lee
1: thank you thank you for your time